Welcome to the 122nd JBST.com Smartcast, recorded October 29th, 2013, released for November. This is the multi-sport podcast for triathletes, duathletes, sportive riders, road racers, time trialists, runners, empty beers and fitness enthusiasts. Whatever your distance, whatever your event, this podcast aims to make you smarter and faster. So welcome, thank you for downloading this 122nd episode. I'm Coach Joe Beer and I'm joined once again by South Fork Racing's, well, jack of all trades. Now he can even do the introduction all by himself, Martin Crocker. <laughs> just. Waving doesn't work, I've told you that, you can't Sorry. wave, okay? Hello everybody. Hello, hope you enjoyed the questions and answers special last time. Uh, did you just notice we did the order in a different way? Did you notice that? <laughs> it confused me greatly. It did. Okay. Um, and it's a reminder. Why I did it? It's a reminder to be eclectic and fun with your training right now. To do things slightly differently to how you've been doing them. Uh, get, you know, get off the end of season bandwagon and start being a bit different. Throw something different in. Somewhat fun. Even something that might make your muscles ache because you haven't done it for ages. But do something a bit different. So what do we know about news then come on news um it's been a it's been a fair bit out and about a fair bit of news yeah it's been a fair bit of news yeah yeah Um, don't ignore things like weather and football and celebrities i'm on about real news um well there's nothing that i've kind of picked out especially um or or kind of have seen that i has kind of tickled my fancy as it would be but a lot of it's uh, a lot of it's the same old stuff this time of year, which unfortunately does cover football, weather, um, and everything else. Doesn't oh, it? So. I, I forgot. I have to make an announcement, which even you don't know about this. I'm going to see how much you react to this, and it might it you might cry, and I'm still going to keep it in. There. <laughs> this might be the last podcast because of a reason why. I've got an email here. Um, it's from a Kumar Uma, and he says, "I'm sorry to disturb your privacy in this manner." It is a certain deceased customer of my bank behind the 18 million US dollars left. I seek your partnership in receiving this fund. Mm. Now, it could all change. Well, hopefully you've sent over your account details, Joe. Was that that wrong? Yeah, yeah, send them over. Send them over. I can imagine he's probably rifling through. uh... I couldn't remember how how we were related, but (laughs) it must be about right, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah, but what worries me is you you must get at least two or three of those a, a week. But how many people do you think actually go, oh, I reckon it's in the scam, you know? Uh, oh, people that, if you that hover over been... some things that look like they're from banks and you get them sometimes from a bank that you don't even bank with, you think, well, that's got to be a scam. <laughs> but sometimes you get them from ones that you do bank with yeah. and you just hover over the URL and it doesn't go to where you think it's going. That's you think, right. there's another scam. <laughs> anyway, what was in the news... Um, which was just at the very end of September, but it actually rolled into October, was um, at London 2012, um, there was a news piece about um, the athletes had bad teeth. And there was a big news piece, and it said um, there was something on the BBC site, and it was all about, oh, bad teeth, bad teeth. And um, 
It was a study of 302 athletes, of which 278, there was data. And it was basically saying things like, um, for example, oh, what did it say? Um, that, you know, they had, the wor- they had worse dental health than people of a similar age. A fifth of them um, said that their oral health damaged their training and their yeah, um, and their performance. Yeah. However, when you looked at it in depth, okay, when you looked at it and actually saw where it was where it was getting this group from, um, the competitors were using um, basically um, uh, the dental clinic, which offered free checkups and mouth guards. Okay, so it was not a random three hundred and two. It was 300 of them that were already going to the dentist for some reason. And so they said, you know, that that those using the clinic may have been more likely to have had dental problems than other athletes, which probably they did because they're going to the dentist in the middle of the Olympics, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but, they, you know, the, the research group said that they thought that the findings were consistent with previous studies. And athletes aren't different to other people. But one thing that they... They kind of say, and sometimes I think this is where certain things can come out of context. It said, um, basically, it says, you know, their oral health was quite striking. It said, you know, eating large amounts of carbohydrates regularly, including sugary energy drinks, was damaging their teeth. The level to which these people are training, they cannot be on couscous and a couple of bananas. They have to be on quite a high amount of carbohydrate, particularly if they're doing you know, time in the pool, you don't get to the end of the pool in the middle of a, you know, 5k session and and ask somebody if they got some rice that you can eat. So people will be grabbing sugary drinks. Sugary drinks are not the, you know, are not the culprit. It's the fact you're talking about very, um, you know, dedicated athletes. And I think sometimes it's, it's a bit jumping on the bandwagon, you know, it's sort of, of the 302 athletes, 20, um, 55% 55% had evidence of cavities, 45% had tooth erosion, and 76 had gum disease. Um, that's a fair bit, yeah. There's quite, there's quite a lot of people that get that, in, in, and it depends yeah, on what, well, that's you, know, it. you know, is it, is it gum disease, or is it the appearance of it, or is it the, the, the possibility that it might happen? And is it that if these people are very stressed and in the middle of their peak events, that they're starting to get ulcers and stress in their body, mm. and they're starting to get these things? But I thought it was quite, you know, it kind of pointed the, you know, large amounts of carbohydrates and sugary drinks it's like yeah but that's what they got to do but then it's almost like having someone stood outside mcdonald's um giving people free dental checks saying well look 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 what happens when you eat mcdonald's any fast food then you know Mm. this is what happens because of the um the 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 fatty food and the sugary drinks that you could have you can can point a finger at pretty much anything can't you in a a certain situation and somebody um because somebody retweeted me back um somebody called try underscored eyed so try eyed and they said um lots of sugary and inverted commas sports drinks now i don't know whether that was that was them that said oh look sports drinks again you don't have to have them if you don't want them fair enough i know some people want to have a banana in their back pocket fine but they do they do a job and it's easy particularly with elite athletes for for people to forget that the amount of calories they consume is going to be pretty difficult eating it all in fibrous whole meal full based you know meals but then if you think a lot of them as well even if they're not training they're competing they're traveling all the time and i suppose another 
another thing that you probably would be wary of is if you're going to foreign climbs and you you know you're not some some of the guys are germaphobes as well so you're not trusting of the local kind of um delicacies or mm. or, or maybe the local hygiene then i think you have a tendency to just grab what you think yeah would would suffice well, that's you? the same so, that's Usain bolt's argument for um I chicken did, nuggets. Did, yeah, did chicken <laughs> yeah. Exa- exactly. Yeah. Was that he said, but, um, and it was somebody that did some work on um, some other stuff that I was doing and they were presenting on different athletes. And this person said, I can't believe that he, he eats McDonald's. It's like, look, it's fine. He knows anywhere in the world he can walk in, get something he can guarantee pretty much it's going to be it's going to be what it was yeah. in Tokyo in London in New York wherever and so actually it made absolute sense yeah yeah absolute sense um but this is a time of year where if people don't visit their dentist if they don't visit their hygienist <laughs> you've been following me around today have you why because i've been that's what i've had to do the last today being a day off oh, right. i phoned the opticians to get my eyesight checked and i phoned you're looking in the wrong direction yeah. when you said that you're looking, yeah, i'm over here over yeah. here oh there you go i'm just me and and uh, the you're dentist looking at a mirror yeah. you're looking at the window actually oh, good yeah 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 so that's what i've pretty much done today but that's that you know it's not to say you wait to the off season but some people are really bad at, at their teeth, and there is a there is a link between teeth and um, teeth health and heart disease yep. and many it's other things. Yeah. And it's kind of like you know you have to use them to chomp through things. Sometimes people do grit their teeth and, and work really hard and, and kind of almost almost wear right. their teeth yeah. by the fact that they're doing it. Some people damage them as a result of competing and kind of leave it alone and forget about it. In the off season, if it means you have to have a you know a series of injections and you have to you know, do stuff that it means you miss exercise or whatever. Now's the time. Your, your teeth are up there, again, like with your, you know, with your eyes, uh, with your your stomach, with your, well, every factor that you've got. Really, this is the time to get back to the basics. And if you don't see your dentist regularly and your hygienist regularly, you should. Because even more so with athletes, if that's what's happening at the elite level, even if it's slightly overplaying it, it shows to what extent people that have to consume more calories, yeah, therefore put it via their mouth, therefore they will have a greater chance of the frequency of carbohydrates being more often. Because if you just, you know, if you train on water saying, oh, I don't want to get sugary drinks on my teeth, you're at you're a, a, a problematical point where if you train too much on water, you can really batter your immune system. Mm. Um, and so I think it is important and, and good for you, Martin, for going to the dentist. Dentist and optician. But speaking to a dentist, I was chatting about the effects of having energy drink and everything on teeth. Now, obviously, it's not the sugar, it's the bacteria that are In on your mouth. teeth yeah. that causes basically a, a reaction, which then rots. Well, you'll, you'll know. You'll so you brush your teeth else. before you go training. Yeah. So and, and some people on long on long. Um, I don't think they do it in Ironman, but certainly I've seen people in sportifs and in in sort of multi-hour events having a small bottle of like. Um, uh, mouthwash mouth first to just sort of clear their mouth out but also just to like wash things through yeah, but what you don't do is when you've just had energy drinks is brush straight afterwards because of the uh, the 
the pH environment in your mouth at the time. But, you know, go and see your dentist about all of this. But it is, it is important to be to have clean teeth, particularly if you're just about to do your longest run, your longest ride, and, and think, hold on a minute, my teeth feel a bit dirty. A bit furry. And yeah, yeah, a bit furry. That's it, and yeah. you're throwing down yeah. bananas, even bananas. You know, people sort of think that if they go for the natural, no, it's carbohydrate. And carbohydrate is in all these things. It's just often in drinks, it kind of covers more of your mouth. And that's the argument against sometimes people saying you know this whole swilling and swilling and spitting as they say it's like well look if you're going to drink the drink drink it if you swill it around your mouth you're now covering all your teeth with this kind of it's not even a mouth rinse it's now a carbohydrate rinse Mm. and maybe you maybe you use like a straw or a bottle where you squirt it straight into the back of your mouth but that was in the news by the way i I like that that was good that was in the news um what was i going to say to you um yeah i spotted and this was a while ago but i made some notes in the vuelta um there was somebody I can't remember the rider's name, but um, a 58-tooth front chain ring. Really? Yeah. Um, this is in the TT, I guess. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and also they showed uh, Pinotti's um, warm-up, and it was very similar to what Sky do, or in the same ballpark, yeah. you know, this, this gradual sort of warm-up. Um, and for some of them, they gave them ice socks so it's ice filled into these socks that they grabbed and then they would shove it down either the That's back right, of their yeah. neck or into their into their pockets and stuff um and they had loads of these being prepared in the mornings ready um and i just thought that was quite interesting that they were they were didn't icing. do it in the gyro though did they giro sorry it's giro did they no they didn't no <laughs> no um but no that's, that's did some... you watch did you watch the hawaii iron man by the way i only saw bits of it because I had to see it uh, on t- t- internet. On t- internet. And we've got dreadful, dreadful internet. Oh, moment, yes. So. Yes. Um, I thought it was really interesting that, first, it was great footage. You could watch it real time. Yeah. And, you know, you are seeing what's going on at various points. You think, wow, you're watching the actual race. There's no surprises in the news about who did what. You actually probably get a better feel for the race than than when people write a story about it and miss out things that happen. You could see, you know, there was one biker... Um, and Andrew Strykovic, Strykovic, I can't remember what his surname was, you know, tanking at the front. Um, he'd done a 402 in Florida, which is the fastest ever bike done. But he kind of went and went and went. And then you saw in the footage and they showed him on the run. But loads of people had gone by and he was coming up this hill and he looked, <laughs> he looked absolutely dead. But interestingly, the elite, Men were coming out about 270, 280 watts or thereabouts. About approaching, some of them were approaching four watts per kilogram. Um, and some of the women were approaching three and a half watts per kilogram. Not, yeah, when you, you know, start working that out and work yeah. out what that is in terms of... Uh, but a you know, really interesting race, interesting to see um that people there was a, a point where Luke McKenzie was in the lead, but he knew he had a better runner charging him down. Van Leer was, if he was in contention, was going to win on the run by the fact that he was, you know, so economical and so so quick. But you saw Luke McKenzie turn and he looked rough and he whacked this bottle down that he got his special needs and he started sort of running. And next minute, literally within minutes, he was back on the game. And it was like he just turned it around by whacking his special mixture down and he just seemed to just get it together and then start on the way back. And you had Rachel Joyce come second. And again, she led out to the front. And even though it was passed uh, by... 
uh, Marinda Carfrey, she still stayed in second place. But Carfrey ran the third fastest run of the day for everybody. Yeah. 250. I mean, just oh. phenomenal. You think that is an awesome run to break Chrissy Wellington's record. But also, what are the guys doing that they can't run? You know, that so many of them got something wrong that they cannot run a time that 20 years ago people were running below 250. Yeah. And that now there aren't so many of them. You know, she was the third fastest. There was one, I think, that was about four minutes quicker and one was within a couple of minutes. But, you know, you would imagine there would have been at least 10, if not close to 20, elite males getting close to that 250 point. I mean, not not that we're saying that it's it's a bad thing, is it? You know, it, it's just like you It's said. just phenomenal yeah. to, for her to do that, but also that the conditions were OK. Um, there have been much worse years, but... It seemed as though a lot of men put a lot of other men on the rack and they all seemed to suffer, bar for a couple that kept their head and didn't go too hard. Some of them went off the front like Mackenzie um, and survived, but a lot seemed to do one another in and then not do the performances you would expect. Do you think most of the damage is done on the bike part of it? more than anything else oh yeah absolutely yeah it's but it it's it's still can they put it together from the point of view that they know you know they know what the tactics are going to be by some people to go off the front and it's suicidal for some of them to try and go with it yeah but some of them can still run quicker than those super bikers but if you get a super biker that can also run then that's it sorry that's a game over but there were some that you think even though they didn't have their best bike split they didn't have their best run split either Mm. so you think something was up something's gone wrong something's gone wrong that a lot of people got it wrong or their performances were just not up to scratch Um, having said that i think the statistic is uh Last year there was two hundred and fifty people broke nine. Uh, sorry, there was a hundred and twelve people broke nine hours thirty. This year there was two hundred and fifty broke nine hours thirty. So it's a phenomenally fast race, but not a lot of the elitist of men actually. You know, a lot of people came in behind them, very close to them. Yeah. By the fact that Marinda got up that quick on the run, and lots of you know, below 9.30 at Hawaii is hail, hail, you know, that's awesome. But there's a lot more people have gone faster that have been the 8.50 to 9.5 hour people, yeah. not the 8 to 8.30 elites. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So, um, yeah, funny funny thing, and maybe something will come out. Um, I know another thing, which is taking place, is it tonight? I think it's tonight. No, it was, it was, no, it was last night rolling over to tonight. So I can talk about it. Lumi, the body clock people, took people to Bath, okay, put them up for the night, gave them a, a nighttime body clock that wakes them up in the morning so that they, you know, they, they go to sleep and it wakes them up at 6.15. So they get into the, the, the what they call the morning routine of an athlete. Yeah, that's what athletes get up, mate. You know, there is a, you didn't realise there was a 6.15 in the morning, oh, did you? Yeah, you thought there was only one. Yeah, yeah there's one in the morning as well. Um, then on, then, then they went up to uh, the British Swimming Intensive Training Centre, which is at Bath Uni, uh, watched the swimmers train, and then they watched them, and this was the exact quote, 
watch land sprint training in the light therapy circuit area. So they've got a light therapy indoor circuit area. So they've got lots of lights. I don't know, perhaps we might see some pictures now they've actually opened it up. But they're using light, light, light boxes. That's me tapping a light box. Inside to increase the performance of the athletes when they're training in weather where they won't, you know, we've had a great September, October, but at some point we're going to get to a point where, um, you know, the daylight quality drops and they can't all disappear and do training elsewhere oh, and probably swimming is one of the ones where you least need to really in terms of facilities because you've got the pool it doesn't get hotter or colder it just stays as it is but it's the daylight yeah. effect yeah so the the daylight um the what they call sunset mode sorry sunrise mode um what it can do if you're in front of a light for long enough in the mornings it kicks in your cortisol more so it kind of kicks your body into properly waking up um and then when you're training, the improved daylight levels compared to being in poor light improve your mood and your performance. So they put that on. I couldn't do it, but they put that on, and that was part of this light therapy circuit area. Oh, right. And they aren't the only people doing it, but they're the only people we can talk about at the moment that are doing it. That's cool. I'll yeah. see if I can get some pictures. Oh, because you know somebody yeah, yeah got some friends up there so uh, there we I'll, go we'll there. see what i can do see what you can do yeah i mean pictures of the light therapy circuit area not just pictures <laughs> i know i know bath quite well i no. was born there so i do know all the pictures oh look here's the uh, here's the crescent oh, look, there's, <laughs> there's the roman bath no the we want pictures of it um there was something else as well there was a technical query about wetsuits because um dan bullock's been putting lots of people some of my clients, some friends, just people that I know in these super elite wetsuits. Have you seen them with the forearm paddles? No, no, I've seen the early inceptions. Yeah, that, they've got that. they've got these these extra sewn in pieces of material that grab the water, and they're they're off the scale as far as efficiency goes. They're right. they're amazing, um, but they work. Um, you know, it's a bit like people not really believing in aero stuff. It's like, look, it works. This stuff works. It allows you to pull on. Is it the a training aid? No, it's in that? a perform. It's in a wetsuit, so oh, it's right. in a race wetsuit. And they've been people have been using them this year um, to good effect. Going, wow, my swimming's really doing well in this suit. Yeah. And it's because you're increasing the area that you're catching the water at the forearm. They'll ban it. The fun police will they ban already it. Have. They already <laughs> have. But <laughs> only at the ITU. ITU have banned them for 2014. So I have here a 2014 um, Super Elite. And there's no longer... There's slight indentations into it, but there's no... That, there's no well, you'd actual, always say it was ribbed. With the, with the, yeah, but ribbed lengthwise, but right. not... You know, you can't, you know, that could that could be any form of kind of like, um, I don't creasing know. They, creasing or Creasing, really, yeah, you yeah. call it creasing. Yeah. There's some stitching inside just to create that. But um, when you look more and more into the rules, there's, there's a lot within triathlon. You can't go over five millimetres of wetsuit material, though nobody measures it. I've never known anybody have their wetsuit oh. measured. I have heard of people that have worn two wetsuits. They've worn two wetsuits and taken two off and nobody said anything. So clearly some people get around the rules. But there is a wetsuit by DeSoto that has got 10 millimetres bits in it. <laughs> and they've instantly banned that. That's just, that's out. Um, but there's certain materials you're allowed to use when the 
wetsuit banners on and you have to use like you know what's normally called a, a speed suit there's there's limitations in what you're allowed to use in that um in the british triathlon rules there was no specific rule about the material there is about the the, the thickness of it but yeah. not the actual um material and it seems as though speedo coming out with the super league because the itu have banned it but it looks as though the Ironman athletes will still be able to use the wetsuits that stand. Um, there was nothing. It, it said you can wear a wetsuit. Um, it was more about the the, the width of it. Um, it was nothing about the specifics um, that said that you know you you can't wear anything that's had any kind of you know you you can't wear a, like a, a swimsuit that's got polyurethane on it, but you can wear a wetsuit by the looks of the Ironman rules, that has got this previous version of the Speedo thing. But, but it's all well and good having having these rules, yeah. but if no one's there to enforce them, it's ridiculous. Like, if you turned to someone and said polyurethane, they'd be like, ah, what? What does that look like? <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know what it looked like if it came up and... Some guys wouldn't know what it what it was if it came up and kicked them. Yeah, really, yeah. But... And, you know, the, ru the rules are, are quite um, specific. No, having fun. Um... <laughs> You know, athletes um, are permitted to wear a wetsuit as long as it's not on the list of prohibited wetsuits. But at the moment, there's only one wetsuit that's prohibited by the Ironman, which is just it's called the DeSoto Water Water Rover, and that's and that's um, that's kind of off there. But the more you look into the rules, there's quite a lot of yeah, it's difficult. Isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's difficult because you think, oh, okay, depends on, you know, they okay, they say you can't have this sort of thickness and this sort of thickness. They'd only have to insert an update that says you can have nothing on the forearm apart from smooth neoprene and instantly even the models that were ITU okay for next year would suddenly not be. Um but it appears that even the current um, elite ones with forearm paddles should be legal for Ironman. Right. But it is worth checking on things because if you go to the States, different rules. If yeah. you do certain events that are very cold, they will let you use booties and things like that. So there's there's quite a few like, look, this is the rules. Oh, but in our event, this, this, and this is allowed. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm sure in every, I'm sure there's something in every sport that people didn't know about and go, oh, I didn't know, you know, the the position of the saddle on the bike and how that can break certain rules. Yeah, yeah. You know, if technically, if your hand is below your elbow in time trialing, you're breaking the rules. Yet you look at the pictures. I've seen a guy whose hand is at 45 degrees he looks like he's falling off the bike it's the most <laughs> hilarious picture i've got to show you it it's hilarious and it doesn't it looks like he's going to slide down the pole and you think not only is that against the rules it's downright dangerous, dangerous to be yeah, pointing yeah. your arm down at 45 degrees i mean how do you ride a bike like that is it aero is it aero though no neither was he <laughs> and neither was he and neither was he no the picture you'll remember it yeah. um we had one of these we jumped past that so it, it's a review it's a review from itunes from itunes which says good info for beginner to elite um was that, by, is, that his, is that his name that's a funny name by glory hornet boy it's called it says i've listened to this podcast for years and it's always interesting there's there has never been an episode where i've not learned something new well worth listening to if you uh sorry well worth listening to if you unless you think well worth listening to if 
to if you unless you well worth listening to sorry you're just listening to evolution taking place sorry <laughs> anyway it was well worth listening to uh, unless you think you know everything so thank you very much indeed that was brilliant okay cool that was painful on to questions. <laughs> don't read it again, please. We we're we're going we're gonna to get. We're going to get. Somebody's going to complain about. Right. Oh, you really, you really, really. What's the point of me writing a review? No, give it no. Somebody saying, "Oh, he really went on about the review," and then he went back over it and read it for the fifth time, <laughs> and he still couldn't read it right. No, we'll cut it out. And put it back in. It'll be fine. Two questions we missed last month, and we will put them in. First one uh, from Chris Brown. Um, hopefully, it won't take too long. Even though he says this one should give you a good length to talk about, um, in brackets. By the way, I know the answer. Um, <laughs> how early? Tires, how early? It's not about tyres or chains. <laughs> or chains. Um, how early should I start planning 2014 races? If uh, 2014. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, but if if your season's done, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things to. At the end of the season, I think there's still a lot of things you need to do. And that's... Brownie points. And that's number one, brownie points, you know, yeah. if there's some decorating, if there's some... Decorating? Yeah, decorating. What, do you get, do you get, the, do you get the wallpaper out, do you, this time oh, of year? No, 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 I What I do is I phone a man or a woman to come down and do it. So, there's no... There's no you're a man of such means, aren't you? Yeah, well, there are people that have been trained to do this all, pretty much most of their working lives. Why should I take money out of their pockets? Absolutely. I'm, they should I'm, take money out of mine. <laughs> they should take money out of yours. Absolutely. Other things to do which are not racing. I think that's why somebody cleverly, I don't know when, inserted that word off before season. season. Yeah. Because you switch off. And people that don't, you know, I, it's probably the, the biggest challenge at this time of year is to get some people to, you know, to carry on enjoying it, but just switch off the hyper-competitive side of you. Don't look for this marginal gains every single day. No, just for the... For, why not go backwards for a few days by yeah. eating loads of chocolate or going out with your friends and going out on the lash all weekend? I mean, whatever it is, you've got to have a switch off. But more, I think more to the point as well is if, if you don't want to let go of the 2013 season, then fine. But but, you, but don't you think you have to? Because yeah, yeah, it, you, can't, you can't carry it on. But you need to have a like a you need to have a defining moment, don't you? Where you maybe you look back all through your data and go, oh, yeah, that was a good race, and and bore the misses or, or your friends wouldn't go, yeah, look, look at the power. You could have you could have a presentation, couldn't you, Martin? Yeah. You know, here's my here's my PowerPoint. Everybody round. Get everybody round. <laughs> right. Going, right. Why? We've got yeah. this. We've got this big announcement. Yeah. Have we? Yeah, look. Look at my season. Here yeah. we are. Here it is. As crisps, in. as crisps, as beer. <laughs> as crisp dip beer. Stay for as long as you want. There'll be loads of door slams. But yeah. just, you know, if you want if you want to carry it on that bit further, then, yeah, get, get all your races together on the laptop or the computer. Have a little look through and go, oh, yeah, that's what I remember what I did there. Maybe you might remind yourself, look back through your race diary as well mm -hmm. or your mm -hmm. training uh, diary and think, oh, I didn't put that in. That was when I had a really good race, you know. Maybe pick a little bit at it for a week or so, but then just go and do something different. Mm, just draw mm. a line in the sand, like you mm. were saying, and then just go, right, 2013's gone now. I'm mm. happy with that. Whether it's good or bad. I think Whether sometimes, it's good yeah. Or bad. It, the only thing that irritates me is... Oh, come people, on, Martin. Get it off your chest. When come people on. turn around and go, I've had a really bad season. Right. You've had a really bad season. What have you learned from it? If you've taken nothing from it, it's been a really bad season. Mm. You know, you right the wrong, because that's the way I look at I, it. Yeah, but I will, I will 
I'll probably get up some people's nose when I think that sometimes people have a bad season because reality strikes home. Mm, I think it's very easy now to set some amazing goals for next year. Blimey, you know, you're going you're going to you're going to win, you know, the cross country uh, World Cup. Um I'm going Well, normally list of stuff to do, but no, no you, but don't you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. it's it's very possible for for goal setting to get out of hand and therefore if you don't like you say, if you don't learn anything, it may be that the biggest lesson of 2013 season was what did somebody kid themselves at this part of the year in 2012? What did they kid themselves that they were actually capable of doing? I'm not saying you can't achieve stuff, but let's be realistic about how much improvement you can make yeah. based on the fact that if you are just about to, um, I don't know, have your third kid or move up from a, you know, from a, I don't know, up to a senior partner in a company or you are about to expand, you know, your house and work on it all hours God sent for the next two years, you have to be really realistic yeah. at the same time to say, oh, I'm going to I'm going to win this, this and this. I'm going to be 10 percent better at this. I'm going to do this, this and this. I think why people do have a bad season is their expectations didn't have a sense of what I no, I can achieve, but it's still going to be good to do it. What I hope on a good day I might get if it all comes together and what would be a real dream result. What they look at is that dream result yeah. as the only binary way to come out of the season is it's a yes or no. And it's like, no, you might have done a load of things that just to get back to where you were might have been a great improvement, but you cannot expect that your goals just because you set them will actually come well, to yeah. pass look at the amount of people that you know enter the tour de france think they're going to win enter you know a marathon with the chance of winning and they don't do it i think what we have to do is after a while look at the people that say oh i didn't have a good season and say you know what they always don't have a good season because the funny thing is their reality of what they think they're capable of is too far away from what they're actually doing. Yeah. So they will always be disappointed. You have to, you know, if you have a bad season, then maybe next year you have some, you know, what I would see is, you know, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not getting you to blow smoke up your own backside, but they are saying, if I can do this, that's the first step on the way to getting to where I want to be. Yeah. But to always set this, this beyond you know, and this is what some people do. They'll set such a ludicrous thing. Sometimes they believe they will do it, but sometimes it's the best way to kind of cop out because you so went for this massive thing and didn't get anywhere near yeah, it. Whereas true. it's really hard to say, yes, I've done this, but I reckon I can get about 2 to 4% better. And for a lot of people, 2 to 4% is going to take them all year to do. The human body does not get 2 to 4% quicker every year look at world records they take decades to move forward yeah. so you you being somebody that's doing it as an amateur for the most part just to get back to where you were could be your biggest challenge that you don't even know is coming your way and i think that disappointment is sometimes needs to be you need to remix the color and make it a bit more reality yeah and you know to, to kind of go back on to chris's question about what when to kind of stop when to start planning I think you know when you're ready, if you know what I mean. You know when you're ready. You know when you're ready. Um, so 
I think what you do, what I like to do is I like to have a look back, look back through results and go, oh, that one too clever. Kind of accumulate that all together and then almost throw it in the bin, you know, save it on the computer and then just go, right, you know, these next couple of weeks, I'm just going to do what I feel like doing. So, for instance, going out and riding your bike, not worrying, you know, that you have to chase down the little flashing red light in front of you or, or anything like that. Mm. Or take the kids out riding your bike or, you know, they ride their bikes, you run along, you know. And That's my favourite. Take the dogs walking, you know, just just mm. random things that you... you eclectic. Eclectic collection of things. Yeah. And, um, and then start thinking about 2014 maybe jotting down a few little races you've heard about or you thought about mm. or you've seen dates of and then mm, thinking mm. well how can i work this into then mm. training up for yeah. i think what people tend to do is it gets to christmas christmas finishes and then new year's in there people just kind of sat there kicking their heels going right i suppose i better get on with this really didn't i mm. and then jotting down a load of dates with the first race being february and then you're going oh God, i'll do a load of training Mm. and then smash in a load of training. Mm. But I think once you're happy with... You know when, when you're happy with the 2013 season, if the last race comes in, you're like, ah, thank God for that. That's over and done with. That's the time to stop. Yeah, yeah. But then, I think one of, the dif- one of the differences when you, you know, when you deal with people doing um, triathlons that are now, you know, just announced Nice has filled up four months earlier than it has before. So it's been... Um, you know, pretty much just into the new year. Now it's done by October. Most of them, you haven't even got five days. You'd be lucky if you got five hours to get in. So people that are planning 2015 have to be thinking, you know what, straight after Ironman X, I've got to enter. Not think about it. I've got to be thinking, therefore, now I want to be doing it in 18 months. So when it comes to the summer, I need that money to be able to enter and go click and be in. And lots of people, you know, this summer had done one Ironman and within weeks were sending me the confirmation saying, I'm in next year's race X. Yeah. You cannot decide now to think, oh, I might, do you know what? I'm, I might go and do that Roth one. <laughs> Forget it. You have to go 2015. That's so long as you're quick enough in 2014 to yeah, enter. Yeah. And that is happening across many events. And I've also heard it for um, for quite a few small triathlons. Yeah. Um, there was something, there was something else that really surprised me, and it and it was it was booked up, and somebody said, "Wow, that's what's uh, oh, it was um, it was a, a series of road races, like a series and and separate events. They were going online, and somebody that's used to just posting it said, "Wow, I was caught totally unawares." Yeah, 2013 season because a lot of it booked up, and so I think Chris's question is is a brilliant one because you know when should you start planning it? In a lot of people's cases. If you haven't planned it already, you're going to be in trouble because yeah. events will fill up. It depends on your sport. It depends on to what extent there's specific races you want. And it depends on whether you're quite happy to, you know, see what see what is still available. When you get to, like you say, that January time and say, yeah, I fancy doing some what's available. And as long as you can pick out the dregs, you're okay. But you cannot at that point say, I might do this. I think yeah. there's possibly possibly by then you might get into um ironman lanzarote but i i doubt it you know most of them are are full up ironman uk fills up a bit later but for the most part the season depends on whether you're you know if you're time trialist it doesn't matter though some of them are online though they pick from the fastest 
backwards. So if you're not quick enough, you don't get in. They don't do that in triathlon. The first person to put their money in gets yeah. in. Yeah. Um, there are certainly events sometimes that pop up out of the blue that even now aren't known about, and they'll suddenly in January get the okay and they'll appear and somebody say, oh, look, there's a new half Ironman. Sportifs, they can fill up quite quickly. It, it just depends on what sport you're yeah. in. But I think you've got it right. You've got to put the other one to bed. You've got to then have a, a, a bit of a think about what... what... Convalescent. Yeah, like but, but convalesce. somebody the other day said, oh, I really don't know what I want to do. And I'm like, fine, don't push it. Yeah. And certainly don't fill into the pattern of, I'll do exactly what I've done this year. Because I can, I can make amends on everything that I got wrong. I mean, you might find the amount of time you got means you have to do similar things, but don't get into the rut of thinking in certain months you do certain races and then there's nothing but, oh, just the same old, same old. You, yeah. need, you need something different in your training, but you especially need something different in your targets because otherwise, you know, if it didn't work this year, what, you're going to spend another year just trying to get that one thing right for next year? I mean, that's quite a... With nothing else on your mind, that's quite a sole task to yeah. be, you know. I like the, I like to do lots of different things. Yeah, that's the thing. And, and like I said, it, if you've taken nothing from the season as in results-wise, but it's been a god-awful season for whatever reason at all, take mm. you must take something from that. Yeah. You must take something yeah. from, that, from that downside, maybe that negative that you've taken from it. Take it. And then, oh, you know, you've got to own that negative to then turn it oh, around. Nice expression, Martin. You've got to own it. You've got to own it. Turn yeah. it around, and then, and then, obviously, turn it into a performance. So, so, so as a as a an example, get a sheet of paper, line down the middle, line horizontally in the middle, four boxes: S W O T, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, and think about you know all of that to do with your you know your life, the potential for training in the next six months, what what injuries or what things you know what things bug you what things do you not do right because if you can't be honest with yourself now and that not affect how you appraise this season you can pull the wool over your eyes for next season as well and still be disappointed there's got to be something where you say that was me on a good day and if you cannot find that maybe you aren't you maybe you're trying to be somebody else yeah. and therefore you're disappointed because you're not as quick as somebody that's quicker than you well that's life you know what you have to be is eventually have have several performances that you're you're quite chuffed about and they should be your motivation through the winter not the ones that somebody beat you that you can't do that you have to have positives that you can see that's the me on a good day. And then some things where you say, I want to go back to that one. I want that. What you cannot do is say, I want to beat person X because you can't control person X. No, that's it. They, that's they, it. Will, they will possibly find 5% because they haven't actually been training that smart. If you are training the best you can with all the available resources and you've learned that at the moment it doesn't matter who's doing the greatest training, you actually say, it's October, November okay, this is a time to start building, but it doesn't reflect on who you are next no, season. that's it. Oh, good question. I like that. Well done, Chris. Thank you very much. Next one is David Longman. And he says, um, this is a, a tweet, by the way. He says, any advice on race nutrition for type 1 diabetics? How do you balance blood levels and carb intake for mid-distance events? Now, A, we are not doctors. B, neither of us are diabetics. And C, you need to you know, try and get 
somebody that fits in between that doctor and sports doctor group that understands um, endurance sports and the requirements of it. Because it's different to a type 1 diabetic just wanting to be active. You know, you're talking a middle distance event, so you're talking something about five hours. So you have to be able to regulate your carbohydrate. Of the things that I've had come up working with people with diabetics, it's, you've just, you know, you've got to be especially aware of your carbohydrate uptake, what you need before race, what you need in order to, you know, constantly regulate. People that are not diabetics sort of get away with it, but ultimately they don't. They can't do a mid-distance on water. They will, they will suffer. But I think it's best to, um, via probably your doctor and therefore a referral, get to somebody that deals with specific um, diabetic athletes because um, it is something that can be worked around, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of sort of, um, I, I think sort of like not documentation, but a lot of working out things by yeah. being meticulous on how you approach it. And that means that, um, you know, lo and behold, the uh, the sugary drinks will come into play and, and so too will certain snacks that keep your blood sugar more regulated and so too will being especially aware of needing, you know, emergency food stuffs when sessions go beyond yeah. Yeah. what you thought they were because you get a punch or you, you know, slow down dramatically. So I think um, in, in quite a, a short response, I think it's, it's almost the same as other people from the point of view that you are doing an event that is dictated by by feeding. It is five hours plus or minus about 40 minutes for most people. So you know what? You have to be um, nutrition focused. If you're not and you think it's just about fitness, then you're kidding it. You have to have enough carbs on board if the so-called wall is somewhere at around two hours, call it 2,000 calories, less than that for some people, then when you're doing an event that probably takes you 5,000 calories to compete, you've got to start that carb-loaded. You've got to have a carbo-loading or carbo-feeding regime for the race, and you've got to know what the race gives you. And I think for um, Dave, it's especially important to think, right, I need to be as self-contained as possible because if there is a, a lack of stuff at aid stations, if there is... You know, um, if I go off course, if I am waylaid, I need stuff on the bike. Yeah. And a good question as well, because I think from from a point of view of of non-diabetic people, we're quite ignorant to it all. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I suppose I went to school with a, with, with a lad that was uh, that was diabetic and kind of you could see little features on him when he when he was. When, when his blood sugar level was kind of dropping off. So you, you once you're around, people that are around David will know kind of when he, when he maybe feels or looks a bit peaky. or. Yeah. But you can only do this by test, by, by actually going out and trying it, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's becoming more and more um, in, the, in the common domain now with, with, yeah. with athletes being diabetic and um, team type one as well, kind of... Um, a cycling team yeah. where all the guys on the yeah. team are diabetic. Yeah, so. which that would be a good resource to see. Um, I've not looked at their resource, but that is a good one to just go and there may well be information. There may well be 
a contact with which they can say, well, look, this is, you know, this is the place where we think people should go for their yeah. startup and their stuff. There's, there's, there's certainly a lot of people that now compete with diabetes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And why, why should it be a disadvantage to you? You know, if if you're if you're passionate about these things, then do it. You know, just there's plenty of guys out there that are doing it um, at a professional level. So you know, well done, mate. Okay, another question. Um, I'll tell you what, I have a change of voice. Oh, I've got to read it. God, I've got a ball. I'm, I'm... Uh, this one is from Steve Morris. Um, so he says the sports um, invoked in and level who's run and bike pretty much. So he wants to uh, ask a question on. He said, thinking of doing a duathlon in January and was struck by the thought that I wasn't sure what to wear on my legs. He said, do I go for tri shorts? And leg warmers or non-bib cycling tights, uh, bib tights are out as the bib will restrict running and running tights are out as there is no pad. It is probably going to come down to personal choice, but your thoughts would be appreciated. Thanks. Um... Some people wear, I don't, I don't get the bib tights and running at all. But if, if you haven't got amazingly tight that's bib that, tights yeah, yeah. the, 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 the best solution is to, to certainly start with either a base like tri short or something padded like, yeah. an, like an under padded short and then have um you know your standard sort of tri suit skin suit you know triathlon thing with you know with arms on it lots of people do it and they they may well run Depending on you know January, I mean January is going to be cold, so they may well have a you know a one or even two lycra type skin suits on, and then because normally those stop at the shoulder or the mid arm, right, yeah. and then arm warmers and gloves, and then have your your skin suit tri suit comes down to your legs, and then just have your normal normal you know add on legs. <laughs> Not not full on longs, but legs that you pull up to mid thigh. Um, if you look about, you can pick up some of this almost like cross country ski stuff that is a full on um, like suit. I've got a cyclocross one that Scott do that's full that's arms, right. yeah. um, but it's the the legs come down to sort of the knee. But you might get away with just a really thin like you know like a lycra sort of um, legging on that yeah. i think you 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 know you've got to have a fair amount on and you can get a lot from the pictures you see people doing these things this and just some ideas yeah. just some ideas as to you know lots of people just have a heli hansen underneath and then maybe a a tri suit over the top of it um you do want to be covered up it's january i can't imagine the temperatures are out of double figures you are running and getting Hot. That's, this is the downside, isn't it? Really, you are then going onto the bike, and the your wind chill factor is a is a yeah, fair bit. More, and your speed it? is going up to twenty plus miles an hour, so you are getting cold. And if you think what some people get away with in training, you think no, it's not about getting away with it. I know you'll create heat. Um, you might get a bit warm, but if you've got the right layers on, and even sometimes people will pull an additional layer on for the bike, that's fine. Yeah, you know, it's it's a January duathlon. Um, I think the best people are good at getting the exact right amount that they can stay warm. But you often see they've definitely got gloves on. Yeah. Some of them will, will will run with like a beanie on. Um, 
it just depends on how much do you personally get affected by the cold. Yeah. Now, that isn't, and you see it every year, people just with, you know, nothing on their arms and they look like they're going out for a run on a sunny day. They think, no, sorry, that is wrong and it's categorically wrong because if you're in January temperatures and you see what the cooling rate is for 20 miles an hour in five degrees, you think, no, you are going to be too cold. Yeah. The point isn't to get cold. It's to be functioning at the optimum temperature. And some people see it as less is more. No, less is more when it's very hot and you're trying to dissipate the heat. But even that, you can argue, to cover up certain parts of your body means that the sun's reflected. And I would say that you want to cover up as much of the body as possible with thinnish lycra yeah. Yeah. you maybe have a secondary layer over the torso because that's going to be the bit that gets coldest on the bite and you've got to have certainly fingers heads covered on the bike but sometimes you know it could be you could be talking about something where there's sleet or rain and well, then it's it, nothing worse either, and then you're starting yeah. to think blimey this is going to be changing gear you know to just put extra gear on for the bike because you're already cold from the run um it it's almost as if for duathlon, the people that get it sussed are immediately at an advantage, the yeah. people that don't. Yeah, yeah. And I would rather see people slightly overdressed as long as it's not um, like poor quality materials that aren't cut right and then they're not running right because the stuff is really old hat, you yeah. know, Ron Hill tracksters. You think, no, they're going to constrict your running. You want, you know, tight-ish sort of... No, tightish sort of lycra, but at a thicker Roubaix level. Yeah. And, okay, what would you do if you're going out training? You know, you can't quite have that amount on, but in between that and summer. I mean, people have got to think different weights of different materials, not just, oh, well, this is what I wear in the summer and this is what I wear in the winter. There's got to be a load of differences yeah. in between. And again, this is where your training comes in. I mean, I, I would rather be too hot on the run because you know for a fact, if you're not going to put any extra layers on when you get on the bike, mm. once the sweat starts to cool off you, you're yeah. going to get cold. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no two ways about it. So, um, you know, even if it means you can get like a little windproof gilet mm. that you can just lay out, you can just, it takes literally seconds to yeah. put on. Zip up, helmet on, bang, out, out you go. But tight, because when yeah. you get on the bike, the stuff that runners would wear that might be quite baggy on the bike is going to impede you. Yeah. And people thought, oh, not aerodynamics. No, it's going to slow you down massively. Try riding in a in a you know a flappy like rain jacket that you see some people and ironically it's some of the sometimes slowest people put on the biggest wind jackets yeah. and it's like a parachute and you think that extra 40 plus watts is going to kill you it is absolutely going to slow you down you're slow now you've just made it worse it wants to be you know kind of just enough um like you say that you're a little bit warm on the run but when you get on the bike you want to be toasty because if you get cold you're only going to get colder you don't heat up no. in january you don't say oh i got warmer no you you are sweaty jumping onto a bike we don't know the distances but i'm guessing it's you know at least an hour's possibly hour plus or minus a bit um but i think Go to pictures of play of That's races like yeah. the Ball Buster. There's quite a few 
uh, duathlons that go on in various places and just sort of see and don't necessarily look at everybody but look at some of the front runners and not just the ones that get off the starting line running the fastest because they just may be good runners or they might be in a relay and only doing the run but look at the you know the sort of second phase of it certainly the bike and all the the second run and see what people are wearing because they you know they often have quite a lot of um, photography on the ball buster and you see completely different um amounts of clothing that people have had on and some years they've got away with it and other years they say wow i got that wrong i was really cold yeah and if you want to underperform get cold, get cold yeah. because it you will underperform Good, good question. Questions. And we've never good had questions. that one. That's such yeah. a good question. That's very good. So thank you, Steve. Much, much appreciated. So this is from Debbie Sheridan. It says, hi, Joe. Um, do you think, and I'm sure she meant Crocker as well, but, but it was an email to me on something on another subject as well. So Crocker, everyone go. loves you. Go. Everyone loves you. It's all right. Do you think women have different feeding requirements to men? If so, would there, um, what would, B, their best strategy for A, an event less than an hour and a half, B, events of sort of two hours plus. Um, there was an article from Sky Team Nutritionist about feeding for women, uh, said that women need less nutrition than men, particularly if they are less than 65 kilos. Uh, women need about 40 to 60 grams per hour um, and only for sessions over two hours. <clears throat> Um, for sessions up to one hour, water only. For sessions one to two hours, water plus banana. Um, and that's for Debbie. So, yeah, the, there are differences in, in men and women. Firstly, the power output. You know, uh, you know, an average, and this is this is, this is time trialing, although it could still relate to it. But you know, in a in a time trial, you know, a, a good club lady will do you know two hundred watts or just over. A good club male will do three hundred watts. So you've got women putting out about seven to eight hundred calories an hour. Men are putting out you know eight hundred to a thousand or more. So straight away they create you know men create more power and use more calories. Women are smaller, and the rule of thumb has always been. A gram per kilogram. Yeah. So you know, it, it doesn't even really have to be that 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 it. You know, it, there, there are plenty of you know sixty-four kilogram males that need different feeding regimes to an eighty-kilogram you know bigger guy. So I think you know certainly in the ballpark forty to sixty makes sense because that's pretty much most female cyclists will land in the forty to sixty, um, and only for sessions over two hours. Um, I get. Up to an hour could be water only, but then that could relate to men as well. Men and women, I know there are very slight differences in how they use fuel, but um, you know the idea that men are from Mars and women are from Venus, I don't think physiologically is so. It might be psychologically, but not physiologically. Um, for one to two hours, water plus banana. Um, yeah, if you know if bananas float your boat, fine. But a banana is twenty-five grams. Okay, so if you are going to land into that 40 to 60 grams, that means at least two bananas. And for larger female cyclists, you could be approaching three bananas per hour. Okay, if that's for one to two hours, then if you go out on a two hour ride, you're going to have to have four bananas in your back pocket, which if you like bananas, nobody says they don't work. It's just they're not as convenient for people. Um, they do have higher fibre, which may or may not be a good thing for some people to have. Um, yes, they are um, 
fairly high in moisture, so they kind of give you additional moisture as well. Um, and that's fine. You know, that's kind of, yeah, if you, if you want to use, you know, natural foods, insert the word banana here and it works, definitely. Um, up to an hour of water, yeah. Depends on what that hour is, though. Because yeah. if that hour is a hard hour, no, because you'll be taking out disproportionately blood sugar and therefore you could quite easily be you know losing concentration and you know ride into something stupid on a night ride where you say oh yeah but I, I thought I had to ride on water only there are differences um not specifically diabetes but there are some people that definitely have much greater flux uh yeah flux in their carbohydrates in their bloodstream and they need to have carbs more than other people that say oh i don't need it for an hour and some people say blimey if i don't have it at 30 minutes i'm starting to i'm starting That's to, right. to yeah. rain and and it's been found and it's just a difference in people's fuel regulation i think women are slightly more carbohydrate efficient but still the limiting factor is carbohydrate it's not if you can use more fat, somehow you'll be better. Because if we're talking about what are they training for, ultimately, and this is for, this is from somebody that does events of you know twenty five to mostly sort of seventy minute events, it's about how much power you can get out, and that isn't going to automatically be changed by the fact that you train you train on water a lot. Water training makes sense, but on the downside of that is that sometimes on water only you can get quite you know quite low it doesn't say on water only and what the level is if you yeah. did a really hard interval session on water only you could really suppress your body and it not be very good for it so i think each individual male and female needs to work out what things they best work on yeah a gram per kilo i think is the is one of the best ways to look at it um and perhaps, you know, if you're just doing a very, very easy session, you might get away with water. But if you train and you immediately produce, you know, if you're, a, um, you know, you, there's female cyclists that can go out and, you know, ride at 180 watts quite steady because they're, they're very talented. They've got a watch that, you know, that's approaching 800 calories an hour. If they do that on water only, they might find that they're, all they're going to do after that session is just either eat, so much or be having to eat and then really really kind of they're so wanting to get the food down because they've under eaten yeah and then they have to deprive themselves of something that their body is screaming for and then you can get quite below par you can then get quite ill by the fact that you're trying to oh less is more less is more i'm i'm very aware that you've got to watch with some people that you don't just give them the option for water only because they will think, and I've had the question even today from a client saying, oh, I, I don't really use carb drinks that often in the winter because I thought I was teaching my body to use fat. And it's like, well, you are a bit, but there's only so much you can ever make it use. Yeah. And maybe one or two sessions a week up to up to two hours, maybe up to 90 minutes in some people's case. Yeah, go on water only, but don't see it as the best way to train. It's not. Other days, you educate your stomach to absorb carbs by teaching them to absorb carbs. Yeah. And, and again, it, it depends on on the training that you were doing where mm. you're to in your kind of yeah. the whole... Um... What, do you, what do you find then on the, on the retail basis? Do you find... Because um, I think there are there are men, but there are a fair degree of women that have got 
you know, they have got issues with food intake. They are very aware of it. Do you find that, you know, there's very few um, female customers that sort of buy energy drink, you know, regularly? Or do you find that it's mostly men that buy it? Um, yeah, it, it's mostly. And yeah. I mean, obviously, there's more men that cycle than women, yeah. but there's still. But, the, but, but now there's a, this, this is what I was going to say. There's there's been um, like quite a big step quite a big step up with the amount of, of females that we get into mm-hmm. into the store um, to buy these products. Now, number one, it either tells tells you that females are more comfortable entering kind of that retail environment, mm-hmm. which sounds odd, but it's not because it's predominantly blokes. Oh, it always has been, yeah. So, yeah. you know, they're comfortable to come in, but more more to the point is they're, they're a bit more savvy with what they're using but they're a bit more clued up a mm. gents come in and just point at stuff and go do i need this mm. and then you're like that well you know what rock what are you doing etc etc you know we get a lot of runners a lot of lady runners in um that are doing you know quite long distance half mm. marathon marathons um that have found the benefits of things like gels mm. um an energy drink as well yeah yeah but not so, what's what i find quite interesting is not quite so much on things like recovery which you would think if they're quite savvy on on yeah. things like kind of taking in carbohydrates whilst whilst running or training, then recovery-wise... Yeah. And you can get recovery from, you know, from correct yes. nutrition. Yeah. That, you know, you cannot say recovery is in a, in, a, in, a, in a powder or in a bottle. But I always think that when people underestimate their training, they don't think they need, you know, they'll, they'll you know, sometimes quite amazingly do a session and i think blimey after that i i would i would see recovery as one of the first things to do even before shower right drink this then go off to the shower and i wonder that some people it you know they they consider it to be a bit more of a of a treat that they're not good enough to have because they oh i don't really train that hard and you look at what people train thinking blimey you are training hard you don't consider it and you and you maybe do something that's recovery but i bet it misses the window because there's nothing like drinking something that's cold or sometimes even a hot recovery drink after a session because you've got cold and you drink a hot recovery, oh, it's lovely. But how do you get your sense of appetite back after most sessions? Well, normally a bit late. And therefore, yeah. you either have to eat something and feel nothing. And it just feels like you're putting food down that you don't want. That's right, yeah. Or by the time you've eaten it, you've missed the key window. And it isn't it isn't a critical window yeah. from the point of view of storing glycogen. But it can be a critical window in terms of how difficult you make the recovery process. I mean, it isn't who can train and then say, oh, I've been really good, I won't take anything now, because you need proteins, you need carbohydrate, and in liquid form, that is the easiest way. If your body's properly beaten up, that's the easiest way to get it in. If you're not that beaten up and you've just done the one hour on water, then you don't need a recovery drink. And I think people may be a bit confused as to when do they do it. But if they're doing marathons, half marathons, hard triathlons, time trials, I think after that, your body would much rather that you had recovery at that yeah. point than, than you thought that, oh, well, I'll just have, a, you know, just have a cup of tea and a biscuit. It's like, no, recovery is something you earn by training or racing hard, and that's why it's relevant. And you can see that the nutrients that are in the recovery drinks do make a difference. But then, so does milkshake. So does, um, you know, you could have, uh, what was the thing I saw, you know, cereal milk, which I'd is okay. I'd have cereal milk, yeah. absolutely. But 
I don't think I can't remember though if I've sat down after a race and ate cereal meal. No, that's <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, it'd be nice if it was really cold and it would be nice. Certainly after training because it's right there when you get home. But I think recovery drinks are a convenient thing. Yeah. And yeah. and they they shouldn't be overused by people you know some people do get into the habit of oh i like that flavor and then they start to see it like a dessert you know they'll they'll have one because they want something a bit sweet no it's for after hard sessions it's definitely useful during resistance training and this is what people will be starting now but uh, i just thought it was quite interesting what you said about people not really having you know not buying recovery drinks that much and and another thing that i would be i'd be quite interested to see is the correlation between having these carbohydrate um drinks gel snacks to where people get a little bit obsessed about weight that's what i'd like to Mm -hmm. i'd like to see the correlation Mm -hmm. between the two where people aren't having it because they think they're burning fat which they think then's helping them to lose weight Mm. you know um and believe me i stereotypically you think oh that's what that's that's probably why a lot of the the females don't have their carbohydrate gels i'd assure you that i would say probably 60 to 70 percent of the guys that i race with are massively weight obsessed hugely weight obsessed you know to the point of trimming bits off food to to make sure they're not unnecessarily putting it into their bodies you know so i I would like to see the correlation between you know a female maybe the female um side of the sport not taking on the proper nutrients Mm, and mm, the proper mm. carbohydrates purely on worried on a um a weight basis Mm. um and then compare that to the gents i think you'd be surprised at the figures yeah i mean you know i guess the bottom line is do you think women have different feeding requirements to men as what debbie said and yes they do because the calorie output is less in women, you know, the, the statutory level is 2,000 calories for an average woman and 2,500 for a, a man. Um, but you still need to prioritise carbohydrate. Yeah. You still yeah. need to make sure that, you know, if you are going out, that you don't think that less is more from carbohydrate terms. And there are people that get into that. You know, if they don't, if they can get round two hours and not have anything, it's almost like they think they're saving money on the food bill. And it's like, no, you're just starting to really batter your body. And I'm sure that it's catch-22. The more that people become weight-obsessed, the less that they will be able to mentally G themselves up each time because yeah. they've so had to you know, not eat this and not eat that that do they really want to go through it again? And I think the harder that people challenge themselves to get to a certain weight, the harder it is to have a good relationship with food. And this is the off season. It is time to switch off. And it is, you know, if you if you if you want to, you know, ride and experiment with what you want to eat. I mean, stick mince pies in your back pocket if that's what you want to eat. But you probably won't want to race with them. No. And it might be a bit different. But I think it's it's almost that um, I would see that as you know what what are the requirements? Well, they're very individual. What can I have? Well, you know, some people like drinks. They like four scoops. Shake it up. It's on the bike. They drink it at specific times so they're not always overloading their teeth. But if you ate a banana in you know in two halves or you drank a sports bottle in two halves, you're still getting carbohydrate on your teeth. But in both cases, you can get carbs in. I just think people don't realise if you have a banana, that's only 25 grams. And when the ballpark is 40 to 60, yeah, that's that it. means you're at least two bananas an hour. <laughs> and I'd like to see how people... I remember doing a time trial years ago and... Um, 
we were triathletes. We thought there was aid stations, thinking, you know, that's what it was. There was no aid stations. And there was a bus shelter with just boxes of five bananas. And, and they said, oh, no, there's no aid stations. And we were cramming these bananas into our back pockets, thinking, we're about to do a 100-mile time trial with two bottles. Yeah. And we thought there'd be aid stations to give us more. And I just remember packing my pockets with these bananas, thinking, I just need as many of these yeah. to get around as possible. And you think, actually, bananas are they're, they're a healthy thing. I get it that there is the move, especially Sky and other teams and lots of athletes saying, I want the natural version of stuff. I get that. But also, you You've got to watch that, you know, why did um, Chris Froome blow up? It's not because he didn't have a banana. It's because he didn't have his gels. And so ultimately, you know, sports products become applicable when you start doing sport properly. Yeah. And in the off season, perhaps experiment with different foods. But as you get nearer to race season, you've got to get into what nutrition do I want to use? There'll always be somebody trying to do the alternative stuff. Yeah. But ultimately, sports nutrition works and natural foods work but if it's only one hour a day that you're taking a drink it's all right you've probably got um you know another 15 waking hours to get all of your good nutrition in real foods but not many real foods work really well for when you're hammered down it just doesn't work like that another good question another good question thanks debbie yeah so um some great questions this is as we said at the beginning, the December, December, the November oh, don't podcast. Wish it away. Don't, don't wish it away. Wish it don't away. wish it away. Um, this would be one of the darkest ones because in the probably in in, in two months' time will be the other side of Christmas. We'll, so we'll be scaling out of the dark abyss. Scaling out of the dark abyss. Yes. Um, so, uh, what do you do this month? Because I thought this was a good point to sort of say. And I think, and look at this. This is this is spooky. Look over your past training diaries. See, this is this is liquid gold, um, and see how. So you can you best <laughs> yes, do. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll start that sentence how again. How you best I was, do? <laughs> I was, start that sentence again. Look over your past training diaries and see how you best do and don't train at this time of year. How often are you ill, injured? overstretched elsewhere and plan to be below the maximum volume okay don't plan to be you know kick the backside out of november by the fact you're going to have your greatest one ever i think it's just about getting into you know consistent habits having a bit of fun doing you know doing some some different stuff be it indoors outside um and at some point you know the goals or the or the challenges that other people set you or the things that suddenly mean a bit more to you you're you're actually um you're you're, you're sort of you know think about but i know we've got one more question haven't we have we yeah came in through on the twitter from J- from jason yeah jason from jason swindon it says hi joe and crocker just wondered what you think of sufferfest dvds to improve your cycling all the best jason Yes, and I, I tweeted back to him and said, well, firstly, you've got to be recovering from your um, marathon personal best, so the last thing he needs to do is to do Sutherfest. Um Yeah, I think there's a part to play for quite a few different, um, you know, online things. I showed you that, you know, motivational video beforehand. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a massive amount. Every person can find a bit of music, um, a workout they can replicate or they can get their friend along to do it but sufferfest is a very specific high intensity you know area of training and 
HIT has to be very carefully, you know, it's... It's, it's got to it's, be structured, doesn't it? It's got to be structured. Yeah. It's got to be brought in at the right time. Otherwise, if you, you know, start doing something now, you're, you're going you're gonna to be burning candles. You don't need to. You're going to be doing hard work that, randomly, you might find a bit of hard work when you're riding with other people or... Um, uh, today there was a 30 mile an hour onshore and it was quite hard work riding at what felt like an abysmal pace yeah, that's and right. you think yeah actually there is hard efforts generally in training though it's not hard it's just harder than you thought and Sufferfest is a very specific you are doing you know interval work because you want to push yourself hard um, I think some people like to do that but I don't see it as you know are you doing maximal intervals at the moment Crocker no. There we go. There we go. Most people would say no. So Sufferfest, yeah. whilst it almost plays into people thinking, oh, that's what I do when I'm on the turbo, and I'm on the turbo because it's winter, and therefore... It's like, no, I wouldn't consider somebody touching that with a barge pole until they got to no earlier than March. Yeah. No I'm... earlier. And, and therefore, you, you know, you kind of think, there might be something on there that you muck around a bit and you don't really push yourself. But Sufferfest is meant to be people absolutely digging themselves into the ground. And I have this hunch there are some people that are just psychotic and they just, you know, they will, they will, they will batter themselves for no apparent reason than there's something on the internet or there's something out there that they do. And, okay, if you get off on that and it's what you want to do, brilliant. But why do the effort now that isn't going to help you later. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If, you, if you have to just let rip, do it in the gym. The Sufferfest stuff, I think, is very specific to the bike, and it's the icing on the cake. Sufferfest teaches you how to ice the cake. You don't do that now. No, I, I, I think if, you're, if you've got nothing set for, say, the, the coming season, maybe it is your, your off season, then, you know, you, you've got... You've got then got, what sort of comment is then? Well, you've, you've got nothing to train for. So yeah. you, you're then, even by doing the suffer, it's nice to do something different. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but I just think kind of then going out and smashing yourself on on these kind of DVDs as good as as good as they might be, as different as they mm. might be. Just, and I've tried and I've tried them, and, but not now. Yeah. And as a way of, you know, there, there are intervals that work. We know there's certain... Um, work frequencies and we know roughly what intensity they, they should be and perhaps some of the Sufferfest ways that they've um, composed them work for some people yeah. or the terminology or the music I think that you can probably do it better yourself because you know certain bits of music that give you goosebumps that make you absolutely pummel yourself and those are kept off the iTunes library at the moment. Otherwise, you start getting overexcited in sessions that you shouldn't be and start hammering yourself. So you have this little, you know, I call it, you know, there's race warm-up and there's a there's a different one as well. That When you click that, you know the session you're about to do is one of those sessions. And I think if you know the sort of on-off frequency that you need to do, you could do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. And you can choose exactly the music you want. But I like I like what they do because it's just... You know, it's kind of that whole, you know, slightly anarchic sort of different side to things, yeah. which is fine. Absolutely fine. Um, 
but um, Jason's a client actually. He won't be touching them for a while, <laughs> and he's just getting over just getting over a marathon. So yeah, that's an additional. So that's an additional um, reason why he's um, why he's not going to be doing it. But yeah, I think there is a place for them. Uh, Cyclops have got some, haven't they? With uh, Robbie Ventura, you've got um, Troy Jacobson has got some. I mean, there's loads of them out there. Yeah. It's just what floats your boat. And some people think they're the best thing since sliced bread. Even so, know when you're going to use them. Other people, it's a bit too kind of you know I don't know, just the the wrong the wrong. It's a bit too dramatic for my liking. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's you know it's it's there are so many things now that you can do. Some people will go to a spin class and get somebody to hammer them, and I'll say, oh, not at the moment, please. You know, there's just a sense of um, I just don't want people to go out there and batter themselves thinking that they need to do it it's like no nah, it's a long game this whole endurance sport you you've got to make sure you're putting the effort in at the right time because if you're not it's pointless to say oh i was doing such good intervals in november but oh december i was pants i yeah. was so december sick. and january was was horrific yeah. i'll tell you what we should do then is is for for next month just oh whoa, whoa, whoa. planning just planning stand back is get people just to tweet in what they do that doesn't involve running swimming or cycling all right in their what they call their off season so their little bit of downtime between starting training again a gometer yes so just just oh. tweet in what's that aqua no aqua job what just ridiculous no I, I, I tell you what when um we were at lanzarote watching uh, one of the portuguese distance runners just run uh, uh, just aqua jog up and down the pool where she was still there an hour after the swim session finished so she must have been in there two maybe two and a bit hours probably injured there from doing a long yeah, run just yeah. aqua jogging up and down you can do it fair, fair dues to people you can do fair it dues. but that's a good question we will we will tweet that what do people so it do mustn't involve swimming running or cycling so whatever you do in your off season, yeah. maybe you're. So the sports that we cover, including you know mountain biking and stuff. What yeah. what other things do you add in? Do there? you do? So I think that would be quite interesting, just to see the spread of what people people do. So you know, some people might. You do like yoga. board games like shove penny and tiddlywinks. Sh shove a penny. Shove a penny. Shove a penny. Shove penny. Shove penny. Yeah, shove a isn't it? But um, yeah, that would be. I, th I think that would be pretty interesting. I reckon it will be. Cleaning and kit cleanings, not uh, not one of them. So. Yeah, kit cleaning or or comparing chains. Yeah, good lord. Right, I think we are. Um, I think we're near the end. I've got you know about an hour twenty. You haven't got any any deals. Um, we've got. Uh, funny enough, um, uh, come I on, have, in. Come uh, on. 2001, 2012 plasma. Three left. A what? One. A, a 2012? Yeah, I think it's 2012, yeah. Plasma 3. That's it's a nice frame. It's a plasma. Um, so, full bike, but it's coming with fast forward DT Swiss hubbed F. I think they're F6s on F6, them. That's deep wheels. So, it's tubulars um, on there. 11 speed compatible. Uh, and the complete bike we're doing for 2799. What? Might sorry, a plasma three. Well, it'll be a plasma. Sorry, I, I can't remember what the exact details on it. So, a frame like mine? No, not yours. No, yours is the limited. Ah, you're on about plasma thirty, then, aren't you? Yeah, yours. Yeah, yours is the limited. Yours is the plasma limited. Whereas this is just the standard. Uh, 
the standard plasma. Um, I say standard, but full kit. So it's uh, 54 as well on that. So 54 but, centimeters. But we're um, we should be putting up uh, pictures on Facebook anyway. Okay. So when you get when you see when you get this um, podcast, which our um, our sound engineer has um, has confirmed should be up by no later than the first of November. So when you hear this first of November or thereafter, go to southfootracing.co.uk or or go to facebook.com slash southfootracing. Um, and also we've got some fast forward uh, wheels left. So DT Swiss 240 hubs, um, tubular, and they should be, they're normally 1250 a pair, but we're doing them for 820 for the pair. Martin, you're like left. Father Christmas. Look at that. They're what? I said we've only got a few left, actually. Oh, a few left. And again, I think they're 11 speed compatible as well. Oh. Why, just because I don't know, why wouldn't they be 11 speed compatible? Do you need a wider, a wider yeah. cassette body? Uh, it's or, a bit of everything. A little bit of a cassette body change. Ah, oh, they're making you change one. it all as well. Would, funny enough, uh, Mavic are the only guys. Mavic come with a one point six mil spacer on there that they have done for as long as I can remember. Um, I've got which set, is about two hours ago. Which is probably <laughs> less than that. Um, I've got a set of Cosmics when they originally came out. Cosmic Elite's about nine years old, and they had one of those spacers on. Uh, and that was before they even gone to 10 speed. So, yeah, you just take that spacer off and 11 speed and off you go. Okay. And Mavic have uh, forecasted that from quite a way off. So, But, yeah, it's, um, it's good stuff. Good stuff. So. Okay, there's some bargains. A, a plasma, 2799, and some fast forwards for £820. That could, that could be added to your Christmas list. <laughs> Not for me. No, sorry, I've got to say all the thank yous. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, Henry, for doing the uh, for doing the sound engineering when you've when you've done it. Uh, when you've done it. Uh, questions? Tweet us, or go to the Facebook page, or go to the contact page via jbst.com. Thank you for your questions. They've been really good. They're brilliant. In between the podcast, please um, put your uh, Put your brains engaged on the twitter.com slash uh, Coach Joe Beer. And there's updates on research and fitter, faster, further tips and so on. So there's there's bits going up there all the time. And generally, thank you very much. Remember, go back, have a look at previous podcasts. Back in issue 114 was the Nick Craig interview, 108 was uh, Christine O'Hara from Rota. Uh, and number 100 was uh, Mike and Andy Rayler, the Ironman athletes. So have a great month. We will talk to you the 1st of December, the first day we can open an advent calendar. Yes. Yes. Okay. Remember, train smart and... Stay safe. Well, it was meant to be have fun, but you can do it that way if you want. Should we try again? Yeah. Go on. Henry probably take this bit out anyway. Okay, so thank you. Remember, train smart and have fun. Viva France. Test, test, test. One, two, three.
Do you know what? I've completely forgot. You know when we do the little ditty bit at the, at the start? Yeah. Whatever your event, whatever your distance, whatever your event, this podcast aims to make you smarter fast. It's completely gone. Well, that's all right. That's all right. Because <laughs> this time round, you go first and I go second. Really? Oh, you've mixed it up. You're a crazy man. 